Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast, a podcast that will help you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. I'm your host, Carly Bartlett, and along the way, we're going to have some raw conversations and share some practical tips that will remind you to throw some confetti and celebrate yourself. Your inner critic does not have to be the dominant voice in your life anymore. Hey friends, welcome back to the Ditching Perfection podcast. Hey, if you have big dreams and you long to adventure with God and see the move of God in the world in whimsical ways, but you feel like you're being held back by your perfectionism or the pressure of performance, today's episode is for you. I am so glad that you are here to hear this this conversation with my dear friend, Liza Chitwood. Liza tells an amazing story of how God really helped her peel back the layers of her perfectionism. She actually talks about how she did a performance fast for a while and how that time really helped her gain a better understanding of who she is in Christ, that she's beloved, that she is valued, that she is already who God has created her to be, and that she doesn't need to let striving stop her from living a life of adventure. And the same goes for you. And so I'm really excited for all that we're going to hear today. And I believe too, as I was reflecting on this conversation and the last two conversations that we've had with Danny Atkins, that God is inviting us to adventure with him in ways that are that are relational and full of adventure and full of missional intentionality. And I think there's something about these three episodes kicking off this year that is a grand invitation from God. And so I would love to hear from you after you hear this episode. And as you're reflecting on these first three conversations, I'd love to hear from you about what God is stirring in you as you're thinking about living on mission in your own life. So feel free to send me a message on Instagram at Carly Communicates or send me an email at carlycommunicates at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you and what God is stirring as you are kicking off 2024. Well, friends, like I said, Liza Chitwood is here. Liza has become a dear friend of mine in the last couple of years as she married one of my friends from college, Matt Chitwood, who was on our Enneagram series. He was the Enneagram 9, and so we would love for you to go back and hear from Matt so that you can picture this sweet couple and and how they how they work together and how God has brought them together in their unique ways. They are both incredible people, but it's been a joy for me to get to know Liza as she moved here a couple of years ago to Mary Matt. And I'll tell you what, this girl is so thoughtful. She's so intentional. She's so kind. She's very compassionate and she is a whole lot of fun. I'll also tell you, she can make some pretty awesome cinnamon rolls. (laughs) I tried to make cinnamon rolls at Christmas, tried to make them like Liza. Nope. Liza, I need your help. I need your recipe. (laughs) But let me tell you a little bit more about my friend Liza. Liza hails from the Midwest, but now lives in Idaho with her husband, Matt, where they enjoy fry sauce. Yes, fry sauce is a thing here in Idaho, (laughs) but where they enjoy fry sauce on their potatoes and hot springs on the weekends. She has recently spent three years in Lebanon watching God heal Syrian refugees through art workshops that she facilitated along Lebanese and Syrian friends. Along the way, Liza founded a social enterprise called The Art of Hoping that provides economic empowerment and emotional healing for refugee women. Liza dreams of people knowing their worth through experiencing God's love. 
You're going to absolutely love and cherish this conversation with my friend, Liza Chitwood. Let's dive in. Well, hey, Liza, welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast. Thanks, Carly. It's so good to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. And I, we were just chatting about this season and all the new things that are going on in your world. So I'm excited for everyone listening to get a glimpse of all that. So will you just tell everyone listening a bit about you and what you're up to these days? Sure. Well, what are we not up to is the question. Yes. Uh, my name is Liza Chitwood. And um, I have lived in Idaho now for about two years. I moved here to marry the man of my dreams. We got married in September of 2022. Yes. And we have since been semi-settling in the Boise area, which we are really grateful for. Um, That's been a season of... um, kind of searching our hearts and traveling a bit to see where God might have us, um, what we might be doing together. But we are in a season of deciding to stay here in Boise to raise a family here. So I am expecting a baby in three months and we're very excited about that. (laughs) We have bought a house, a hundred year old home that we love and is charming and is an adventure around every corner. Yes. And for those of you who have renovated a house, you know that that's expensive, that's time-consuming, and when your kitchen is torn apart, the microwave is your best friend. <laughs> so, yes. we're, so we're digging into a new community. We are in a new phase of life. I am a business owner, which we'll talk more about later, and I love adventure. I love new things. I'm an Enneagram 7. So yes. Always reaching for the new and exciting things. Yes. And uh, yeah, embarking on a new season of being rooted and grounded in our community. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you mentioned Enneagram, and I just want to tell everyone listening that Matt, Liza's husband, was on the Enneagram series last fall, and he was the Enneagram 9. So you all should go back and listen. Then you'll be able to see and hear from both Matt and Liza, so that'll be fun. Um, Okay, adventure. You mentioned adventure. Tell everyone what you and Matt have done and all the travels that you have done in the last year. Yes. Well, if you listened to my husband, Matt, as he shared, he he is a nine. He's like the anchor to my sails in the wind. And we do go (laughs) places together, but he is certainly the more grounded and steady one of us. Um, But before we were both married, we got married later in life. I was 37. He was 40. And before that, we had both lived overseas. In fact, we met uh, while I was living overseas. And then I moved to Boise just two years ago. So uh, we dated in small town Idaho and we got married here and we decided, you know, we would actually love to experience each other overseas and we would love to experience community and God in the same way that we had overseas, but together. And so we did. We uh, each had a suitcase apiece. We packed it up and we locked up the rental that we had and put our stuff in storage and embarked on kind of this adventure to see where will we land. Yeah. And so we started in Lebanon, where I had lived for the past three years, and I think we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the UK. Um, this was new for both of us. We just wanted a place that we could explore together. Mm-hmm. And then we headed off to China for a month as well, which is where Matt had spent 15 years. 
And what an incredible and important experience to really be able to experience what he had experienced through his eyes. It's yeah. a bit like a documentary into who Matt was for 15 years. Yeah, right. Um, so I would say we both have a propensity to say, what if? And so in every country, there was a little bit of, what if we stayed here? What would we do here? But I will tell you, Carly, after about two and a half months, we looked at each other and we said, are you as tired as I am? Mm. <laughs> you want to yeah. just go set up base camp somewhere yeah. and really uh, dig into community. And so that's what we decided to do. And yeah. as I mentioned, we're really kind of turning the ship a little bit, yes. headed towards a different island, but yeah. really excited about the adventure mm -hmm. that parenting will be and excited about the richness of community and, yeah. you know, in a place that um, maybe is less exciting on the surface, but we think we'll find yes. just as much rich richness as yeah. we explore a local community. Yeah. Oh, love that. Okay, so you guys got tired at, I was thinking you said two and a half months, and we're about ready to go for about two and a half months. You'll <laughs> love it. Sabbatical. You will love it. We will love it. Okay, but tell me one tip you have for that long of yes. an international travel adventure. What's oh, one yes. Tip you have? Um, well, first of all would be to get suitcases that the wheels don't fall off oh, early on. Okay. That's important that as you're traveling. You it did. We both <laughs> lost a wheel. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, those really make a difference as you're running through tra oh. train stations and yeah. plane. Uh, yeah. So did you like full on have to just hug your suitcase and run through some cities. There were moments of that, but it was more like, bum, 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 bum. Oh, okay, <laughs> There's something okay. wrong with your suitcase, ma'am. I know. Uh, but my, actually, my serious advice is um, we felt like we experienced places more when we just took some time to be there. So okay. this, this meant instead of packing in three different things in a week, if we traveled on the weekends, because we were both working remotely. Oh, yeah. So if we traveled on the weekends and just saw one thing instead of three things, we actually enjoyed that thing mm. more. We enjoyed each other more. Yeah. More meaningful conversations came up. We have deeper and richer memories from those places. Okay. So mm -hmm. um, it's very hard, especially for those sevens of us, but less is more, I think, in, yeah. in these places where there's so much accessible right around you that yeah. you would love to experience. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's helpful because we've been thinking about our itineraries and all the museums and all the things that we want to do. But I told Mike yesterday, we're going to be too tired if yeah. we do that every day. So that's helpful. We'll remember yeah. that. When you can barely keep your eyes open at really epic places, you're realizing, I think maybe I've done this yeah. wrong. That's true. <laughs> yes, that's true. Maybe it's time to step back and enjoy yes. one thing instead yes. of so many. That's good. Okay. I'll remember that. Okay, so you have mentioned Lebanon and that you're a business owner. And so I would love for you to share all about that and how you have arrived in the the ministry and the entrepreneurship that you're in right now. Yeah, yeah, I would love to go into that. Carly, is it okay if I back up a little bit? Yes, please. I feel like when I start my story in the middle, it's a disservice to those listening. Yes, tell us um, all the things. Sure. So... I actually, um, I love the theme ditching perfection because mm -hmm. when, when I was younger, I was 
just of the mind that if I could get all of my ducks in a row, that God would love me more. Mm-hmm. And I think I could go into that more, but I think it's probably a common um, thought among us that somewhere in the back of our minds, we think that this is somehow built on our performance and our ability to get it all right before yeah. God. So I had that in a bad way, um, kind of in my college years into young adulthood. And I just, I can remember these distinct feelings of going to bed at night and thinking, I haven't done enough. Mm. And instead of like feeling God's pleasure, I would actually feel his displeasure, what I thought was his displeasure. And I thought, if I can just do a little better tomorrow, a little more, have my priorities a little more robust and intact, then I think things will be different. I think yeah. I think he will smile on me. Mm. And I couldn't have articulated it at the time, but what it looked like for me was just running myself into the ground. You know, I, I was yeah. something every evening. Um, and I can look back now and say it was all an effort to just get the pleasing glance of the Father mm. and like know that he loved me. Mm that he saw me. And um, so this was in my later 20s, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, and this was kind of all coming to a head, and I was wrestling with big questions about, wow, if this is all there is, if Christianity just feels like an exam that I fe- fail every single day, I don't know how much more of this I can do, mm. but what else is there? You know, yeah. that kind of feeling of being stuck, but fearful of a different way. Yeah. Um, And some wise friends who saw some of my performance and perfectionist tendencies said, you know, what would be good for you is like a fast from performance. Mm. So a fast from the things that you're doing. Yeah. Um, And you just find God apart from what you're doing. Just do as long as it takes to find God apart from your performance and working for him. Wow. So, yeah, so wise and so mm. kind of brave of them to enter into into my world like that. Right. Um, so I did. I set a month, and I. it was a scary time because I thought, what if, what if there is nothing under all the things that I'm doing? What if there's still an emptiness mm. that I've filled up so well with all of these good things? Yeah then what do I, what do I have? Mm-hmm. And I think so. that's a question that probably a lot of people are afraid to actually face. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What if I stop? What yeah. if I stop and mm-hmm. it's just emptiness? Yeah. Yeah, so we keep going, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I did stop. Um, I did have my, like, piles of books that I was going to conquer. You know, it just, it just shows up in different ways, perfectionism. We just don't even know the depths right. of our own need to get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will never forget um, on the very first day that I sat down and was, it was, so what I did is I just said like, no to all the things I was doing in the evening, the pregnancy care center, the the youth group leading, the small group. And I said, I'll be back at some point, maybe. I think so. Wow. Um, but I just have some things to do. I just have some work that needs to be done. 
And so I would go to church on Sunday mornings and I would go to my job. But other than that, I really just cleared my schedule and to did, see if yeah. there was more. What did that feel like for you? Uh, yeah, Especially initially. It was scary. Yeah. It was really scary. It felt like a free fall. Like I had put myself in some kind of a free fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't sure what was at the bottom. Um, but I will, I will never forget the first day, um, I didn't know what else to do. So I opened my Bible. I was like doing a Bible reading plan. I opened my Bible. It was Song of Solomon that I was in and I would, you know, I'm not sure where we're going, but here we go. And there was a verse from Song of Songs, uh, chapter four, and it says, you are altogether beautiful, my love, and there is no spot in you. And somehow that verse, like I, I feel like I took one kind of step into the free fall and the Lord came the rest of the way, like the whole gap between me and my understanding of him and the gospel. He just, in one leap, he reached over and I believed it, maybe for the first time in my life that this wasn't an exam that I failed every day. Actually, Jesus has already given me an A on the test and I can just like enjoy the material, you know? Yeah. It's just like this beautiful life that I, I can live. I am Mm. able to live because he already has an A on the test. Like, don't even worry about that. That's been taken care of. It's just you and me. Mm -hmm. And you know, Carly, I felt his love and his pleasure in me. I maybe for the first time, mm. at least in a long time. Yeah. And we never got past that in that month. We never got to like better priorities or the things that he was displeased with. It was just this, you are loved because I love, you are lovely because I loved mm. you. And that is the end of the story. Like you can now just go enjoy that. And um, it felt like, I know this isn't everybody's stories and there's points and there's processes, but for me, this was a point of understanding the gospel truth. And then it just started to work itself out. Um, I got it from that month and I remember my reactions to things that I would have thought that I had a duty to perform before that. Um, now it just felt like a, such a joy. Mm-hmm. It was like somebody else's heart was inside mine. And I think about all those verses, that, that's exactly how he explains it. Like, I'll give you a heart of flesh. Yeah. And something new will grow inside you. And that's exactly how I felt mm-hmm. getting up from that. It was Love a really it. beautiful, wow. a really beautiful few years. Um, but it, I, it was like I would just see... Um, maybe a need and have deep compassion for that need. And it would be like my joy to fulfill that. So anyway, I only say that to say I was a graphic artist, Mm -hmm. uh, an art director at that time in a nonprofit. And um, the Syrian refugee crisis was kind of coming across the news. And I think had I seen that in my perfectionist state, it would have been far more distressing and far more of a duty um, that I felt like I had to enter into. Um, But at this stage in my life, it much more felt like adventure with God as he's putting the world back together. And that's Mm -hmm. what this felt like to me. It was like, I recognize like almost like a dream or like an invitation to a party that I'd always wanted to go to. Like, do you want to come see what I'm doing in this 
crisis where there's so much suffering. Um, but if you want, you can come join me in the, in the rebuilding of it. I love that. And so, yeah, that's, um, that's kind of how the invitation mm. started for yes. me to get involved in Lebanon and what oh, I was doing there. I'm so glad you shared all that. I didn't <laughs> know that part of your story. And I think you just saying all of the things that you just shared, you, there are people listening, friends listening that are going, oh, I have felt that same way too. And I've been craving to know that I am loved by God just as I am. And so you sharing that I think is a beautiful reminder and an invitation maybe for some people listening to take that same kind of performance fast to know Mm -hmm. that sometimes we do need to face that free fall Mm -hmm. so that we can be caught in the grace Mm -hmm. of God in a way that we maybe haven't allowed ourselves to, Mm -hmm. um, that is already available, but we don't always allow for ourselves to, to fall into that that God's delight and that gift of God's delight. So I just ugh, love that story. So, okay, tell us then what happened. You felt you felt invited yeah. by God to go to help with Syrian refugee crisis. So what did that look like? What were next steps? And yeah, tell us more. Yeah, okay. So um, I'll just have you all know that I was living a very settled, I, you know, owned a home, had a job, living a very settled life in Indiana at the time. And yeah, it was just, it was just like this invitation. So I did the very responsible thing and just um, started locally and would put together refugee kits to welcome people who were just coming into town. And then I got into tutoring children. And I tell you what, Carly, it was just like when, you know, sometimes when you start pulling the thread and the whole thing unravels, Mm. that's, that's what was happening in my heart. Did you recognize that at the time? Did you feel like you could see the whole unraveling or was it just a piece by piece? I will tell you the first time that I Googled, um, refugee camps, like where are the refugees? I did screenshot it because I wondered Mm. if God wasn't moving pieces around in my heart. I've only had a few moments like that in my life where like, I think this is an important moment. Mm. So yes. Um, but I didn't dream of moving overseas. Actually, Mm -hmm. I was quite settled. Um, but as I got closer to people and hearing their stories and, um, I would, you know, hear a lot about refugee camps and kind of their journey to get here from where they started and just think like, I, I wonder what that's like. I wonder who's there. I wonder who is uh, checking in on women's emotional needs. I, I, mm-hmm. I just started to wonder these yeah. things about the camp. My curiosity was piqued. And then I'd hear incredible stories of God coming very close to refugees in their move across the world. And it just felt like, I would love to go go see that. So I went to Greece for a month, um, and that was like a short-term mission trip to just kind of get my feet wet, uh, literally and yeah. <laughs> yeah. figuratively. And again, there it felt, um, as I got closer to the crisis, rather than this this weight of the suffering, it actually felt like, the closer you are to the crisis, the easier it is to see the beauty in the stories that God is moving around. And that verse in Acts that talks about uh, God is actually moving the boundaries so that people would feel their way towards him and wow. perhaps find him. Mm-hmm. It's like literally happening Ugh. all around me. Wow. And I got so pulled into the story that uh, yes. the long, with my very long introduction, uh, 
the shorter part of the story is that I ended up moving to Lebanon um, to work with Syrian refugees. I worked with an NGO there in Lebanon on a health team. Uh, my whole role was to check in on women's emotional health and use art as a way to help them express hard things in their stories and mm. um, start to kind of dig below the word parts of our brain to the things that are more trapped inside. So yes. we used art to do that. So tell us a story about what that looks like, how that was transformative for you or other women or, or both. Yeah. Yeah. There are. So, um, of course had to learn the language. So that, that took some time. And then my Syrian language teacher actually would come along with me she found Jesus in this process, and so it was an incredible process of kind of sharing uh, limited information about Jesus in the Arabic that I had, mm-hmm. and her, pull, her pulling it out of me, and then responding uh, with such joy and delight that pretty soon it just like let us out the doors, and I kind of sh- you know shared with her this is the curriculum. And so we would go do that together in tents. We would just um, hear of people who had trauma symptoms or they would be referred to us. Mm. And we would go in and we would lead them through a series of safe place activities and journal making and kind of safe places for their thoughts to be stored. And then um, we would listen to stories and they would kind of um, draw what they were seeing or what they would be feeling and it, it was amazing to me how we would sit in a circle and chat about life and all was well. And then we would go to the paper and wow. just like such pain would, co- mm. would come to the surface. And then we, then we started to see healing come to the surface and new hopes and dreams come to the surface. I remember one time after we were doing this for months in refugee camps in Lebanon, I remember a man kind of knocking on the door of where we were doing one of our little sessions and my friend jumped up to talk to him and on the way home I said what did he want and she said oh he said um, he had heard that there was women who feared God and loved people and if we had any deep pain they would come and help us with it and so it was it was kind of this idea that uh, God could help us with our pain. That was kind of the rumor was spreading wow. among camps. Oh, <laughs> isn't amazing. that, yeah, isn't that yes. beautiful? Yes. It was really beautiful to join God in that work in the camps. Mm-hmm. I think that's so close to his heart to come yes. close uh, to those who are suffering. And mm-hmm. indeed he does. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then it's neat to even think about your whole story and the ways that you felt like you were working so hard for God's approval, but then you got to see that stories like that, where that guy just came and said, Hey, I hear that there's a God who can help me with my pain. And he didn't, he didn't ask what he had to do, you know? Yeah, that's right. You got to see God revealing and you got to experience God revealing God's self to you, but then to all these other people that it wasn't all at, at all about performance. And what a cool thing. And I also love thinking about the gift of expressing ourselves through art and the way that that 
allowed for you to connect with people and different cultures and people that had told different stories and trauma and things like that. But that was a unifying and liberating experience. Um, and so even thinking about our context and, um, Sometimes maybe we might feel like we're the ones that sit in a circle and say, we have it all together and it's fine. But then maybe that that's not the case. What do you think art can do for all of us? And how would you even, for people going, I'm not artistic. I, <laughs> I Why would I do that to connect with God? What would you say would be helpful and maybe some some things to try for people that may be interested in dabbling in that? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I believe there are so many resources for us outside of what we typically think about. Yeah. And we're good at talking. Here we are. Yes. We're really good at talking. <laughs> and I do think that that can only take us so far into our hearts and the things that we're actually feeling underneath the things that we're saying. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of resources online for this, but I would just say, um, that two things probably. One is that I truly believe that God intended the beauty of creation to be something that spoke to the wordless parts of our heart. So um, a really practical way to do this is just to get outside and ask the Lord, what would you teach me through creation? What would you teach me through just the beauty that is here? And whether it's like in the patterns of leaves or in the depth of of roots. I believe that he also loves to speak in pictures to us. Mm-hmm. So it's not only a great way to get inspiration for our own kind of processing, um, but also a great way to kind of like sit in a circle with the Lord yeah. and say what's going on deeper. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is as you come across scripture stories, um, what we would do there actually is we would read a story, um, say Jesus with the uh, woman who had an issue with bleeding. Yeah. Um, and we would ask them to draw what they kind of that scene. Mm-hmm. And then um, we would ask them a few questions about it. Like, where are you in this scene? Mm. And are you the woman? Are you in the crowd? Are you watching? Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you feeling as you watch? And there was something about seeing it in written form that they could react to almost in third person. And I think somehow that allows us to access that part inside of us that is a little bit afraid to say what Mm. she really thinks or feels or, um, yeah. So I would say interact with scripture in that way to just Mm -hmm. kind of doodle out um, Mm -hmm. what you're feeling and then interact with creation as if God Mm -hmm. meant for it to be kind of the pictorial example of who he is. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Another thing that I have found helpful because I'm not very artistic. I mean, oh, I can barely like draw a stick figure and people know what it is. Like I'm not good at it, but I have found that painting has Mm. been really, really life-giving for me Mm. because it's, it's expressive, it's colorful, but also it's enjoyable to me and I'm not, it's not performative. Back to uh, what you were saying earlier. Like it's not connected to any expectation anyone has of me. <laughs> it's so not good. connected to my job. It's not connected to, yeah, nothing. I don't have to share it with the world. I can if I want to and it's messiness, but it's not, I don't, it's, there's zero, zero performance connected. So for me, even yesterday, 
my youngest and I were at home in the morning and I was like, let's just paint. So she painted, I painted. It was just fun for life-giving few minutes, a good way to connect with God and be expressive and creative. And it was just to Mm. be enjoying it. And I have found that that's been a really great self-care, um, yeah, activity for me. And I'm just really grateful for the ways that it also connects me to God uh, in, in a way that other things don't. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good reminder. Maybe even as we come to this, we tend to think, I have to get something profound out of this. Right. And maybe the point is that it's mm-hmm. non-performative. Yeah. That's it. Right. Just enjoy it. Yes. That would be very much like God. Yes, exactly. And like you said earlier, like, just enjoy the material. You yeah. already have an A, you know? Yeah, that's so it's right. like that with all of, all of the ways we connect with God. He's like, just enjoy the material. That's just right. Just enjoy the relationship. Just play. You yes. can play in class. Yeah. yeah so good. <laughs> right. So all of the, the time in Lebanon and all of the relationships and the art and the ministry and the conversations and the stories of restoration, how has that shaped what you're doing now? Tell us about Art of Hoping. Yes. Yeah. So, um... After about a year of watching God kind of come close to people in their pain, we were also noticing that uh, Lebanon was in a really hard place financially. So that meant people uh, such as Syrian refugees who were marginalized already were pushed even further out to the margins, especially financially. So they were struggling to put food on their table We just thought with the heart of God being so holistic, I bet he has emotional healing for them and food for their table. So Mm. what would that look like? And we we were making beautiful things together as we were processing, both for enjoyment and kind of uh, the storytelling aspect of it. And at some point, it just kind of all clicked. And I said, what if we could sell these things that you're making and then it would be twofold? It would be emotional healing, and it would also be some economic empowerment. And so uh, we did. We started weaving things from cotton macrame items, and I would bring them back to the States and sell them and send all the money back to them, and then the cycle would continue. So we would provide for um, some counseling services for them. There's a center where they come to have these kind of group counseling, storytelling sessions, and they're also now making things Mm. um, that we sell and send the money back. So yeah, that's all available at Art of Hoping. That's what I'm still doing now. Yes. um, Based here in Boise, but we're an online community and online store. Yes. And the the things that that the women are making are beautiful. So I highly recommend everyone listening to go (laughs) check out your Instagram and the website, Um, but also just what a neat thing to be able to be a part of in in a small way what you are are doing in the stories of restoration that are happening because like you said it is holistic and it's a piece of the puzzle that that they are having the financial support but I love that then they're getting counseling and they're having community and all of those things and uh what a what a beautiful beautiful um, organization that you have have started and 
are continu- continuing to to cultivate and grow. And I know God is just writing amazing stories. You have shared a couple stories. Um, you shared at a women's Bible study last year um, uh, some stories of of people that are just being drawn into community in these like really incredible, supernatural, only Jesus ways. Can you tell a story or two about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, we we have been really thankful um, and maybe not surprised at how deeply meaningful it is that there's somewhere that cares about your pain, which is such a reflection, right, of God and Mm -hmm. um, amazing that we can kind of stand in that place when we care about people's pain. So uh, yeah, from the very beginning, women would come in and, and they would say, this feels like a brand new life. This feels just like a brand new opportunity. Mm. Um, so we've, we've kind of seen that um, trickle through as people come in and just feel the fresh life. And just the way that the, the center is run, um, we are inclusive to all, and we also know where deep healing comes from. So we hold those things in tension. Um, but a woman who had come for several months, um, just the atmosphere of the place, she said, I am starting to love Jesus, basically, from the ways that you all interact with me and my pain. And it's like she she was experiencing, she knew him because she had felt it, you know. Um, And so uh, she's been on a beautiful story of, like learning that he cares and uh, what that means to walk in step with that and to accept that. And Mm -hmm. so it has been a beautiful thing to watch. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned one time a story about someone dreaming about Jesus. Can you tell that story? Yeah. Maybe there's, I think there's probably lots of those, right? Yeah, there are so many stories. This is actually my Syrian teacher Mm -hmm. who um, I mentioned earlier, the way that she came to know Jesus was... She was in a dark time, again, in a lot of pain, and um, she was in her house one night, and she said her eyes were open, and she said, Jesus, I've heard two things about you, that you can hear us, that you are listening right now, and that you are good. And if those two things are true, I, I would just like to know. And her room filled up with light. And she said she experienced hope and mm-hmm. joy and peace in her heart. And she knew that he had come. And, and she also sensed, um, maybe, maybe felt in her spirit, that there would be people who would tell her more mm. about this Jesus who th- she knew she had just experienced. Yeah. And so the following day, she got a call from a language center that said, uh, hey, we're looking for some teachers, and she felt in her spirit, those will be the people who will tell me. So this is how we ended up to be learning Arabic from the Bible, is she was so hungry to know who is this man that stepped into my room. And uh, so she would read the scriptures in Arabic, and that's the way that we would learn as she was learning about who this man was. We would we would learn the language. Wow! But yeah, some oh, like amazing. really incredible stories of God showing up mm-hmm. in supernatural ways that kind of blow our yes. theology boxes wide open. Yes. 
um, but also just the character of God that he comes so close mm-hmm. um, to those who couldn't see him otherwise wow. held so true in Lebanon. Mm, I love that. It's so true. So then how have all of those experiences there transformed the way that you live and live on mission here mm. in a very different context? Like mm. how, how has this shaped your here and now? Yeah. You know, Carly, I think there's a new love and appreciation for people who experience him differently than me. And so I think all all people have something to teach us. And I have have really come to um, appreciate how close Jesus comes to marginalized people. And it's just like, I just want to be with Jesus with them. Yeah. And so seeking that out here in the U.S., um, in similar ways yes yes and I think you I love that because throughout scripture Mm -hmm. the people that really could see Jesus clearly were not the people who we would assume you know the people who had studied the law who were the religious leaders they totally missed it and actually found Jesus to be threatening to them Mm -hmm. but it was the people on the margins who could see with clarity who Jesus was and what he could offer them. And then they were the ones who were open to the transformation that Jesus could bring. Yeah. And I just can't help but wonder <laughs> if that is probably still true today. <laughs> you know, maybe. And it's convicting <laughs> for me as, you know, a pastor. And my, my, oftentimes my life is in this bubble of, of Christianity, which Oh, love, mm-hmm. love the communities that we're in, mm-hmm. love the places that we're in. Mm-hmm. But are there, is there more of Jesus's presence? I think, yes. If we were to get out of those bubbles, if I were to get out of the bubble and be with people that are different than me, then I think I would probably see the transformation of the transformation stories of God in ways that I have not experienced myself, and I think I would be able to experience more of Jesus that way. So it's convicting and challenging, and the moments that I have been able to be um, in relationship with with people in the margins have taught me so much, mm. and I'm so grateful. Our mm. community on mission at church, we um, are connected to the women's shelter here, mm. and we go and have been able to be in a relationship with women there and have a rhythm of connecting and, and just being together and studying scripture together. And our whole family goes, it's, it's Mike and the girls and I and, and our friends from, from our community on mission. And it's just been so wonderful and I adore them. And these women have become friends and dear, and they teach me so much about God because of the life that they have lived and have opened my eyes to the graciousness and the goodness yeah. of God. And I need them. I need those those friends in my life. And so yeah. it's a cha- it's a yeah. convicting challenge, but what a beautiful gift. But I think we have to step out, right? Of our I, comfort yes, zone. I do. And I, th- I think he often tells us to go to people on the margins, not so much for their sake, but because we need it yes. more, than, more yes. than they need us. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing for us to realize is that we are not going in yeah. as rescuers. That's right. Because that's not going to do anybody any good. And that's actually going to cause more harm and more division. But if we go in as learners, I think that that is going to shape us in ways that we need and create more 
unity and friendship um, and we'll be more open to what God wants to do too if we know that we are going in as learners. That's right. That mm-hmm. is right. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for helping me continue to be more aware of how God is propelling me to be a learner in unique ways in our community. And I'm just so grateful for you and your friendship and your stories and the ways that your story continues to be written in in new ways of this season mm. and the faithfulness that you continue to have to God and God's um, vision that he's given you for restoration stories um, and the ways that you continue to say yes in just unique, beautiful ways. And I also say too, your sense of adventure, you and Matt both, like you're adventurous, you are ready to just say yes to whatever God has. And that's just so inspiring to me. And I know for everyone listening, it's, I'm sure, been inspiring as well. Um, so thank you. But is there anything else before we get to our last two segments, just anything else that you had in mind that you wanted to share about your journey, about ditching perfection, about art of hoping, anything else in mind? Um, well, thanks, Carly. It's yes. been a pleasure to be here. And uh, you all can't see Carly, but her spirit and the energy she brings to a room is such a good reminder that God is pleased with us. Oh, so yes. I you. hope to just pass that on to your listeners. Yes. And if there's anything, uh, yeah, it's been such a joy to adventure with God. Mm-hmm. And I would say there was a time where it felt like a weight. And so if that is your story, so much compassion for that mm-hmm. and um, know that it's you're not doing anything wrong that it feels that way this is I think a weight that many of us struggle with and and God is so kind yeah to journey us towards um, adventuring and kind of seeing the beauty in life rather mm-hmm. than performing for his affection yes and so um, yeah it's less of the cool things that I've done and more of a journey with Jesus as mm-hmm. he is so kind, so good Yes, uh, to bring us to those places. Yes. And that's so evident in your life and all that you shared. So just so grateful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So Liza, you know, I, I prepped you on these, but we have two last segments, the celebration moment and the facepalm moment. So let's do, let's do the celebration first. So how can you celebrate you in this season and what God is doing? Oh, yes. I told Carly, it's hard to think of something to celebrate about yourself. And that's why we do it. You're, <laughs> yes, you're too busy thinking of the baseball moments, yes. which come easier. Um, yes, so celebration. I do think, as I mentioned, I'm a seven. We like to stay out of our negative feelings. Let's just bounce over those and yeah. have some ice cream. And I think... <laughs> yeah. I, and plan our next adventure, buy our next plane ticket. Um, and I think in this season and also in the last few years of my life, there has been a willingness to sit with God in negative emotion and say, what is this teaching me mm. about me, about what I believe about you, what I believe about other people? Yeah. And uh, let it really teach me. And so um, I think uh, while I would rather have you know, a lifesaver gummy than my vegetables. It really has felt like this is the way to eat your vegetables emotionally, spiritually, Mm, mm -hmm. is to just interview those negative feelings without judgment and say, Mm. what are are these teaching me? So as a seven, that can be challenging. Mm -hmm. Mm. Interview those negative emotions. I like that a lot. 
So good. So good. Okay. Facepalm moment. <laughs> oh, so many. I'll share one from Lebanon. So okay. You, in case you have a picture of me waltzing through refugee camps without facepalm moments, that is entirely untrue. <laughs> um, in cross-culture ministry and work, there's um, many things that we think we understand and we don't, which is probably a lesson for all of life. But I remember one day um, where I was especially sensitive about the way I felt I was treated as a white person, which with oodles of uh, privilege in this kind of a scenario where we were living, Mm -hmm. one of the only white faces around. So I felt like I kind of always got shuffled around to the best place or served first or whatever it was. And that wasn't my heart at all in being there. And so I was feeling especially sensitive about it one day as I was in the grocery store and I took my things up to the counter. This is before I spoke Arabic very well. I took my things to the counter and noticed several long lines of Syrian families, groceries piled high. And I stepped behind one of them in line, knowing it would be a while and perfectly comfortable to be there. And it wasn't two seconds before somebody came along and said, ma'am, 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 you know, and kind of ushered me to the, to the front of a line. And I, again, was just feeling my feelings about that that day. And I protested, which is not a good thing to do in situations where you're not sure what's going on. But I said, no, I want to stand here. I'm, you know, it's just me. I just have a few groceries. I'm just like everyone else. I just, I want to stand here. But kind of what was rising up was like, Jesus would do this. Jesus (laughs) would side with the marginalized. And I'm feeling pretty strongly about it. But he doesn't understand me. I don't understand him. And so he is just pulling me to the front, physically pulling me to the front of Uh another line. I lay my few things on the belt, but like little tears are coming to my eyes. I'm just feeling so strongly about this. And then he ran away to find somebody who spoke English. And the manager came over to me and said, ma'am, you can't be in those lines. Those are food stamp lines. (laughs) Oh, And so the whole time on my high horse, um, I couldn't have even paid in those lines. So it was just a really great (laughs) reminder that things aren't always as they seem. And I was very embarrassed and bought my groceries and moved on. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Well, you had good intention with the whole thing. (laughs) Good intention does not always lead to the results you were looking for. That's what I learned that day. Oh, goodness. That is a good one. Yes. (laughs) Well, Liza, thank you again for being here. Um, Once again, can you remind everyone of how they can learn more about Art of Hoping and where they can find you online? Yes, sure. There's uh, artofhoping.com is where they can buy the things and read a little bit more about the story behind what we're doing. And we're, of course, on Instagram at Art of Hoping. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Carly. Liza inspires me all the time. I'm sure that you feel that way too after hearing her story and the stories that continue to be written through her sense of adventure and saying yes to God's invitation to just say yes to all that is in store. I'm also so grateful for the ways that she reminds me to enter into new communities and friendships as a listener and a learner. And so I encourage you this week to be thinking about maybe some new communities that you could enter into, not with a to-do list or not with a strategy, but just with open 
hands, with open ears and with an open heart to listen and learn. And I believe that in those times, we will see the kingdom of God break out. We will see and experience the presence of God in unique ways. Also, this week, as we are thinking about our prayer prompt, I would encourage you to apply what Liza shared with us about how we can connect with God through art. Maybe you feel artistic, maybe you don't, but no matter what, we can connect with God in a wide variety of ways. And sometimes just by changing things up, we can really experience God's presence in a profound way. So this week, I encourage you to open the Gospels and read a story. And as you read it, ask yourself the questions that Liza shared. Where are you in this scene? What person are you? Where are you? Are you in the crowd? Are you talking with Jesus? Do you feel close? Do you feel far? And as you think about where you are and who you are in that particular particular story, what are you feeling? And then just get a piece of paper and a pencil or some crayons or markers or whatever and just draw. Maybe you're drawing the scene. Maybe you're drawing what's coming to mind. Maybe you're drawing abstract things that connect to your emotions. But just draw and color. Embrace that inner child who just would grab those crayons and color and didn't care what people thought. And through that experience, ask God to meet you. And I believe that God will. Also, friends, as we finish this conversation today with Liza, I want to remind you and encourage you to check out the art of hoping. The pieces of artwork and the the amazing things that are on the website that the women have made are incredible. I I just bought a plant hanger for a friend and uh, they're beautiful. And I would invite you to go and check out all that God is doing through the Art of Hoping. And I will link all of those sites in the show notes. All right, friends. Well, this is not the last time that you can hear from Liza. (laughs) I wanted to tell you that she is going to be also sharing in the weekly email this week some scripture passages that are standing out to her and what they mean to her life right now. And so if you want to hear more from Liza and if you would like an encouragement delivered to your inbox every Friday, then I would love for you to sign up. You can do that at carlycommunicates.com slash resources. And like I said, every Friday, I send a little confetti to your email and uh, a bite-sized Bible study. So you can check that out once again at carlycommunicates.com slash resources. And then finally, I want to give you a preview for next week. Next week, we're going to have my friend Tone Marshall, who is the chaplain at Olivet Nazarene University. He will be my guest next week. And he has an incredible transformation story going from a very difficult, traumatic childhood where he was not raised um, as a Jesus follower to understanding how God was pursuing him his whole childhood, how he came to Olivet Nazarene University to play basketball and how the Lord transformed his life. And now he's a chaplain there and he is a disciple maker and you will be so grateful to hear his story next week. But in the meantime, if there's any way that I can encourage you on your ditching perfection journey, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Carly Communicates. And I look forward to connecting with you here again next Tuesday.